Good morning. I would say let's welcome Steve and Tammy Rockford, but I think we've already done that today. Um, I just want to give you a, a couple um, maybe instructions before we start. Because of Steve's difficulty in speaking, Tammy is going to be answering for him. And I, I think I want you to just look at it as, as if you were listening to an interpreter, someone speaking maybe in a foreign language and being you know, translated. And I guarantee you after a couple minutes, you will get used to it. Um, Steve also, if he wants to interject anything, he, he can type things and he'll show them to Tammy. So be patient with that. Um, we're looking forward to it. Let's, let's go. Guys, we really do appreciate you being here. I believe you've got something already that Steve would like to, like to share. For yeah. the guy that doesn't talk much, he's pretty <coughs> verbose, I've noticed. Um, before we begin, we would like to thank our Heavenly Father for this opportunity to share our story and for all of his blessings and love he has bestowed upon us. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, through your beautiful Son, Jesus Christ. We, we would also like to thank Pastor Mark and Renee for allowing us to share, as well as Dan, who came out to our house and sat with us and helped us with the interview. We thank all of you from the bottom of our hearts. To give us a little context, could you please tell us your background, where I believe you're from Springfield? Could you maybe fill us in a little bit? Mm -hmm. We both grew up in Springfield. We've been together since our senior prom. Um, we just recently celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary, but we've been together for 26 years. And I always, I always, <clears throat> I always remind him that's more than half of my life that I've been with him. Um, we have five children, ages 10, 12, 13, 16, and 18, three girls and two boys. I've worked for the um, Sangamon County Department of Public Health for 13 years. <clears throat> I have a degree in criminal justice and worked for Department of Corrections for seven years, but I went back to school to be able to teach, and I was a special ed inclusion teacher at Southeast High School for almost five years head wrestling coach, and coach football also. So why did you change careers? And, and not only that, but why did you go from the Department of Corrections to teaching and coaching? <clears throat> I never got into coaching for the personal accolades or individual rewards. I got into coaching because I had a passion to instill in students that they are worth something, to teach kids that with hard work, determination, and a willingness to succeed, the sky was the limit in terms of success in athletics and, more importantly, in the classroom and in life. Have you ever heard the phrase, if I can save one child, then I'm doing good? Teachers say that a lot. My response was, why just save one? Why not save and shape 10, 50, or even 100? I'm not wired to save just one. My goal was to save all those whom I come in contact with. Okay, how, do, how does that work? Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> go ahead. How does that really work, though? How do you do that? And pra practically, how do you do that? I bonded with the boys, built relationships. Many of the students were without fathers. I would bring some boys to our house the night before early weigh-ins to be certain they got there on time in the morning. Sometimes they would stay until Sunday when they would come on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, I would be in the kitchen like, hey, uh, and then on Monday, the kids would look in the cabinet and say, the wrestlers ate all our food. 
Uh, when they were when they were with us, we knew they weren't out doing wrong things, but they also knew where the fun was with Steve. Uh, my proudest accomplishments are the relationships and bonds I developed with those kids and other coaches in the sports arenas, and how they felt how they tell me that I'm their biggest inspiration, or how the things I taught them through wrestling and football made an impact on their lives now. I have ex-athletes in the military who tell me that they made it through boot camp because of the things I taught them, like never giving up, that it's mind over matter, and to never whine, never complain, never make excuses, and to never give up. I have an ex-student who attends Yale, one at Rose Holman Institute of Technology, another at Missouri Baptist, and various other colleges, who carry on their education because of me urging them to better themselves through achieving a, an agree, a degree. Those are the things I cherish the most. Now, you just told me backstage about a particular student who, uh, how, how do I say this, Steve had maybe a more permanent impact on him, <laughs> yes. right? One of his former athletes just posted something on our Facebook page, and there was a saying that Steve used to say, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And this gentleman had it tattooed on his shoulder. That's how much he admires Coach Rockford. <laughs> now in your fourth year at Southeast, you started noticing some symptoms that, that just were not right. So tell me about that. In the fall of 2011, I started noticing atrophy in my left hand and slurred speech. Tammy wanted me to go see the doctor, and I told her after wrestling season I would. This was November. Wrestling doesn't get over till March. So after the season was over, we went and saw my primary doctor. Within a few minutes of me speaking with him, he said, I believe whatever is going on has affected your speech also. And so he referred me to a neurologist here in town. Um, and then what followed was a series of tests, CT scan, MRI, finally an EMG, which was a test that um, tests his muscles' reaction to electric stimulus. And that was kind of the one that um, told us the diagnosis. After the tests were done, the neurologist said, I believe you have ALS. I was floored to say the least. The doctor said I had three to five years to live. So if my math is right, I still have one more year to go. <laughs> After that visit, we made an appointment to get a second opinion down at Washington University in St. Louis. And shortly after that, we began seeing a group of professionals at St. Louis University where they diagnosed me as having bulbar onset ALS, which just means it was um, the speech that was initially affected. Steve, I don't want to assume that everyone here knows what ALS is. I'm sure you know, you know, we all know, we, we've heard the term, but I'm not sure everyone knows what it is. Could you please explain to us what ALS really is? A myotrophic lateral sclerosis, otherwise known as Lou Gehrig's disease, the disease is terminal and currently has no cure. It's a progressive neurogenerative disease. The motor neurons in your body go from the brain to your spinal cord, 
and then to the spinal cord to your muscles. In ALS, those motor neurons die off and stop firing messages, which causes the muscles to waste away. So the ability for your brain to initiate and control muscle is lost. ALS does not affect your cognitive ability, thankfully. <laughs> so your mental capacities <clears throat> your mental capacities are intact, but you have no control over how your body moves. And since your diaphragm is a muscle that controls your breathing, the end result is typically respiratory failure. Hence the ventilator. Yeah. How did you react to this diagnosis? Um, You've got five children. How do you tell your children something like this? Well, when we got home after seeing the very first doctor, we cried, talked, and cried some more. We told our oldest two children the news, and they took it pretty hard, as you can imagine. Our three younger ones didn't fully realize the magnitude of what having ALS does. Heck, I didn't realize it either. But I've been extremely fortunate that the disease hasn't progressed as quickly as it can. I had to go pick up our oldest from practice at her school, and she had been blowing up my phone all afternoon wanting to know what we found out, and I kept telling her, I'll talk to you when I see you, and she said, it's bad, I just know it's bad. And when I got to the school, she took one look at my face, and she knew and uh, had a very dramatic reaction. Um, she, had, she, as well as myself, had been online reading some of the symptoms of ALS, and we kind of already had an idea before we got the news from the professionals. My second oldest was, she had to be woken up from a nap, and I thought, I just can't blurt this out, she's half asleep. So I handed her a brochure, that was great. Uh, <clears throat> we joke about it now, about how thoughtless I was when I just handed her a brochure, but um, we can laugh about that now. Uh, we protected our younger three for a few days, almost a week probably, and very gingerly presented the information. But now that they're older, um, we put it all out there for them to know as things progress and change because um, they're living it too. So. Oh, I forgot to use my mic. <laughs> <laughs> what is it like living with ALS? I just want to give everyone a feel of the physical kind of things, your daily routine, how it affects your life. Tammy, maybe? Well, we've been blessed with the fact that he can still walk, um, but we use the wheelchair more so to conserve his breathing. Um, we are getting an evaluation at the end of this month to start the process for a power wheelchair, which will offer a little more independence around the house. We were both kind of on the fence because I do pretty good getting him around in this transport chair, except for the two times that I dropped him, but... We won't talk about that. Um, you really have to pay attention to everything in front of you when you're pushing someone in a wheelchair. Um, so in the power chair, he's in control and I can't be at fault. So I was like, hey, let's get it. <clears throat> um, his speech is unintelligible for most listeners, but those of us who are around him um, can understand a majority of what he says. And if not, he'll use his phone to text us. Uh, we have begun the process for a speech generating device with the eye gaze feature. We're very excited about getting this, but my first question to the sales rep was, does it have a volume button? Because if he gets his voice back, I'm not sure I'm going to want to hear all that he has to say. <laughs> um, this device calibrates to his retinas, so as he looks at the letters of the phrases on the screen, 
He then looks at a button that says speak, and the mach- it will talk for him. And he was practicing, and you could see as he looked at letters and phrases, his eyes were just flying. The sales rep was like, well, you're going to have this mastered before we leave. And he went right to the fast food button, down to milkshake, over to chocolate, and then hit speak, and it said, milkshake, chocolate, chocolate. <laughs> So he, he, misses, he misses food because he can no longer safely eat by mouth. Um, he's had a feeding tube since January of 2013, and all his nutrition is through that feeding tube, which is cans of supplement. A lot of people think I'm blending up dinner and uh, shoving it through there, but that's not the case. Um, in June of 2014, we traveled to Cleveland to have a diaphrag- diaphragm pacing system put in, and that's what this box is in his pocket. It has electrodes that are attached to both sides of his diaphragm that pump it um, at a set rate, and those electrodes come out around his rib area, and then it's plugged into the box that's run by lithium batteries. The surgeon who placed the pacer also invented it. Um, We found out the day of surgery, after the um, surgery, the, the surgeon's sister died from ALS, so that was his motivation to create this device, and that's how we knew we were in the right place, because he had a passion, you know, to save others. Uh, studies show that the diaphragm pacing system will um, help sustain breathing. It doesn't improve the quality of breathing, but it puts off the need for a trach vent for up to 18 months. We also traveled to Columbus, Ohio, every three months to see his neurologist at Ohio State University. He was previously at um, St. Louis University and moved, and we adore him so much that we followed him to Ohio. He recently has started getting monthly, like, bronchoscopes from his pulmonologist. They go in with a camera and suction out his lungs to keep them clear to help battle the ongoing pneumonia issues we've been dealing with lately. And basically it's because he doesn't have the muscle function to cough so we have to go in after it, which he tolerates very well, and that's why we're doing them on, on a regular basis. Um, he takes daily breathing treatments <clears throat> and uses a chest vest, which is another apparatus that helps keep the secretions loose in his lungs. We put a vest on him, we hook hoses up to it, turn it on, it inflates, and then um, it's like percussion therapy, and it, it kind of knocks the secretions loose from his lungs. Um, it takes a small army to help me care for him because I do still work. He has um, three sisters that come and help with his two feedings throughout the week, and we are approved through a program with the state where we could choose personal assistants to come and help with his care, and they get paid for their time. So we currently have three people doing that. All five of our children know how to do tube feedings, adjust his ventilator, <clears throat> but I still haven't convinced them to shave his face or give him a shower. <laughs> I'm still working Steve, on that. Steve, i got to say, I don't know if I want one of my daughters <laughs> coming at my face with a razor. Okay? <laughs> he didn't want his wife doing it I'm either. With but you there. <laughs> I, only, I probably only nick him maybe once a week now. Um, last year, we completed our build on a handicap-accessible house. Um, a majority of all the labor to build our home was donated. Our awesome, fabulous general contractor donated endless hours of his time. Materials were donated, everything from the concrete from the, for the foundation 
the flooring, the paint, the appliances, I mean, the list, the drywall, the list goes on and on. Meals. <clears throat> People were, were dropping off meals for the working crews. Um, they were brought to the build site on a weekly basis. But, I mean, really, we could talk a whole hour just about the house alone. We've, been, we've truly been blessed along this journey beyond our dreams. Steve and Tammy, this has been quite a, quite a physical journey. I mean, seriously, as, as we sit and listen to this, it's probably beyond our ability to grasp the, the physical impact it's had on your daily lives. But God also started a spiritual journey, and I'd like for you to tell us a little bit about that because that's really significant, Steve. So shortly after my diagnosis, I was thinking and crying out, why me, why me? Then after about 10 minutes of that, I heard a voice saying, why not you? Boy, was I blown away. I thought, yeah, why not me? So then I went to see my buddy Ken Leonard one day. I had coached with him at SHG, and he wanted to see me. I'll never forget the day. We met at Strike and Spare West, and he asked me how I was with God. I just sank in my chair and cried. I was raised Catholic, went to church on occasion, always believed but never really studied or read scripture. In fact, I had not attended church regularly in years. Tammy and the kids would go to church without me. This was my turning point in my spiritual journey. After that meeting, I started to attend an FCA coach's Bible study every Thursday morning in Ken's office. There were probably eight guys there, and I just sat and listened. But after that first meeting, all the guys put their hands on me and began to pray for me. I lost it again and cried and sobbed because deep within me, I started to change. I felt God's presence that morning, and I felt the Holy Spirit working in me. Since then, God has delivered me from addictions, and I no longer question the why. God has opened a new world of spirituality, having peace of mind, and living in the truth. Having God in my life is worth everything ALS has thrown at me. In fact, I now view ALS as a blessing, and now my focus is on God and not myself. I have to tell you, it's a little jarring, at least for me personally, and I'm sure for most people sitting here, to hear the phrase ALS is a blessing. Um, maybe you could, could you elaborate on that? Tell us a little bit about that. Before I was diagnosed with ALS, I was caught up in myself and whatever made Steve happy. I was super selfish and wasn't a very good husband, father, or person. I lied, cheated my family of precious time, and stole from the ones I loved the most. Outwardly, I played it off as if I had it all together, but inwardly, my spirit was dying along with my marriage and other relationships. I wasn't an honest person. I call ALS a blessing to me because it made me stop and look at what was really important to me, which is faith, family, and friends. It made me get honest and truthful of what I was and how I was living. It's truly been a blessing because I'm living in the truth, and that gives me a clear and worry-free conscience. When I do wrong, I can admit it and then apologize and make amends right there and right now. It's been a blessing because I'm not perfect and never will be, but that allows me to understand that it's okay and that I can ask for forgiveness, and with God's grace and mercy, I can be free from sin. 
before ALS, my oldest brother and I hadn't been on good terms because of the way I was living, and we rarely spoke to one another. He was one of the first people to call me, offering his advice, love, and support to me. My family became close again as they rallied around me in this disease. It's been a blessing because it has brought me closer to my God and my spirituality. It has brought my wife, children, and me that much closer and stronger together. It has saved Steve from Steve. It has made me take a good hard look at myself and what I'm about and what I can be with God in my life. It's allowed me to look at my situation and be grateful that it's not worse. It's made me thankful for what I have and what I can still do. And it's made me humble by understanding that I have, a lot, I have it a lot better than others. Tammy, we've already discussed the physical aspects of, of, of what you've gone through. Um, I wonder if you could tell us how this journey beyond those physical things has affected you. Well, first off, um, I feel like ALS, like he said, saved him. Um, I have my husband back, the husband that I knew I always had, loving, caring, spiritual person um, that I always knew him to be. Um, before ALS, <laughs> he put the terms, for better or worse, to the test, let me tell you. <laughs> Stretched it to the limits. Um, but then along comes ALS, which really stopped us in, a, in our tracks for a bit. There's a bit of a grieving time when, you're, when something like this is presented in front of you. Um, but you just have to make the decision to buckle down and face every day as a challenge. Like, what do you have for me today, Lord? I can handle it if you're going to be there with me. Um, when I let life get overwhelming and stress starts to consume me, he is so much more in tune to that. And I think sometimes maybe it's because he's a bystander and he watches me care for the kids in the house and running people here and there. Um, and sometimes he'll cry and apologize for not being able to physically support me around the house or transport the kids. And I stop him and tell him, this is my job to care for you and the kids. Um, but no matter how chaotic life gets, it's all such a blessing because of the emotional support that he offers me now, his passion for Christ, um, the magnitude of his love for God and, and how he shares his heart. He's got grown men saying I love you to each other and hugging each other. I, I thought I would never see the day when some of his friends would do that, but that's just how they greet each other. That's how they part. Um, you know, he's that alone and how he continues to inspire so many people. And he doesn't, when we sit and talk, like when we were sitting at our home talking to you about this, Steve would keep looking at me and rolling his eyes and going, and Dan would look at me like, what, what does that mean? And Steve, he's like, what's the big deal? This is just our life. We don't think much of our attitude or the way we approach things. Um, Steve often tells people you have two choices. You can be miserable or you can be happy. He chooses to be happy. Thank you, Lord. Um, some mornings when I leave for work, he'll kind of break down crying, and I'll, be, I'll think, oh, gosh, I can't leave you like this. What's wrong? And he'll say, I just love you so much. 
And that alone makes this whole journey worth every trial that we face. Wow. Steve, you um, post devotionals on Facebook. You have a Facebook page called Rockin' with Rockin' for Rockford. Um, can we show that? The uh, I think we have a. Ooh, there you go. Tell me about how this got started. I have to tell you, I was kind of surprised because I'd read your posts, and when I first met you, I said something to you about. Now, your posts kind of reflect that maybe you've, you've studied the Bible for a long time and there's a lot of wisdom and you kind of laughed at me and shook <laughs> your head. Um, tell me, how did you come about doing these posts that now, I, in fact, I think that video we saw earlier is a little dated. I think it said 1,500. I think you get around 2,000, 2,000 views now. Tell me how that started. How, that, how did that come about? I started to take the scripture we studied and applied it to my life living with ALS. I started to reflect on scripture and wrote about how it applied to my life. Coach Leonard had given me a Bible app that I loaded on my phone, and I started to read the Upper Room and other daily devotional booklets and materials. From those resources, I would pick a verse out and began to reflect on them, and I sent my reflections to two of my brothers, two of my nephews, two of my great friends, three guys from the morning Bible study group, and one fellow coach. I have limited use of my hands, but God has allowed my thumbs to work, so I text each letter with one thumb until it's done. So each morning when I wake up, I open up with prayer and meditate on thanking God for his blessings, protection, and love that he has blessed me with. This allows me not to focus on myself, but on others and on him. The less I get into me, the more I get into him. When I come up, where I come up with this, of what to write, comes straight from the heart. God puts the right words in my heart, and I just follow his lead. Then letter by letter, word by word, my left thumb punches the keys, and shazam, the reflection is brought to life. <laughs> the group, that group of ten guys has grown into nine groups of ten that I send out every day, and along with my wife, forwards them to her friends, who then forward it to more people, and sometimes 2,000 people reading them on Facebook. Not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. <laughs> I want to encourage you, if, 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 if you want some encouraging, uplifting words and you're on Facebook, and if you're not, just get on Facebook, but um, look up uh, Rockin' for Rockford, and uh, boy, Steve just posts the most encouraging things on there. Now, I didn't look this morning. This is a busy day. You didn't post today yet, did you? Okay, be looking for something later in the day from Steve. Mm -hmm. right? Oh, oh you, you did? did? Yeah, he you did. Already, you did? Yeah, 6 a.m. I heard the click, 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 click. <laughs> Excellent. Um, before we wrap up, oh, wait a second. That, I'm sorry. There is one thing I want to ask you, um, if you feel comfortable about answering this question. We know what the end of this story is going to be with ALS. There's no cure for it. When you think about that, what, how do you feel? What goes through your mind when you think about that? Uh, Tammy, let's start with you. The first thing that comes to my mind is um, God's got this. He's, he's guided this journey all along. Um, you know, naturally we'll be heartbroken, but I'll find peace in knowing that he's got some great angels already up there with open arms waiting for him. Uh, shortly after he was diagnosed, God laid it on my heart to speak at his funeral, and I still plan to do that. And I talk to him about the things that I will share. 
And I look back at the trials in our life, um, like when addiction kind of dictated everything that he did, and people would question why I stayed. Um, and now I know, you know, it was, I had to believe that that was all preparation and providing strength for me to deal with this now. Had I not been through those trials, I don't know that I'd be equipped to do what I do every day now. Um, and as far as those daily devotions, those are big shoes to fill, but I will do my best to carry that on as well. Steve, how about you? I worry about my wife not having a husband, my kids not having a father, but I'm alive today, and we can think about dying another day. I told Tammy I want her to throw a party, imagine that, <laughs> and celebrate me, and don't be sad for me because I'll be in a much better place. Okay. Before we wrap up this morning, do you have any last words, things we haven't talked about, any, any kind of encouragement? Tammy, maybe, maybe you could go first. I found a quote years ago and wrote it out and shared it with uh, people that I work with. Uh, the idea behind expectations requires that someone does not know the future or outcome and is trying to control things to get the desired result. As humans, we try to control things largely through expectations. That just really stuck with me for years um, because God's in control. If we put him in control, life is much easier to handle. So no matter what life throws at you, you have to try to roll with the changes and put Christ at the forefront of every trial that you face. Like uh, one of my favorite verses is Philippians 4, verse 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Steve, how about you? I'm grateful for everyone who has accepted me as I am. I'll never be the guy who's taught special needs science classes again. I'll never be the guy who coached football and rolled around on the mats as I taught wrestling. My living with ALS is like a balancing act. On one side is my ALS and the things it has taken from me, like teaching, coaching, my ability to throw a ball around with my children, and the physical ability to complete everyday tasks. But on the other side of the scale is how ALS has brought me closer to God, closer to my family and friends. How is it? how it has allowed me to live in the truth and have a clear and clean conscience, how it has allowed me to, complete, to be completely honest in all my affairs, and best of all, how it has been nothing short of a life-changing blessing for me. And in closing, Steve wanted to share that no matter what your circumstances there is a God who loves and forgives us through his son, Christ Jesus. And he is our salvation. We don't see the Father except through him. Just remember there is always someone who has it worse than you. So we must remain grateful, thankful, and humble. So I pose this question to you as it was presented to me. How are you with God? Thank you, guys.
Thank you very much. Appreciate you sharing. <laughs> Pastor Mark, can you join us, please? Father, right now we just continue to lift uh, Steve and Tammy and the whole family up before you. And, and pray that your uh, spirit, as, it, as, as, they, as they've testified tonight, would continue to be alive in their spirit each day. And give them strength. Meet each need, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated for a moment. Steve and Tammy, thank you again. We'll talk in a minute. Steve and Tammy are going to go around uh, the Welcome Center, and uh, if any of you want to go by and greet them there after we dismiss here in a moment, you're welcome uh, to do that. Please be sensitive to the fact that others are wanting to get to them. They'll have about a half an hour before they need to get ready for the next uh, service this morning. Uh, today, if we could look into the spirit realm of our life and see who we are spiritually. If you've never dealt with the question that's, that Ken asked Steve and that Steve just asked us, then what you would find is not somebody sitting in a wheelchair. What you'd find is us laying on a gurney. Without Christ, our spirit life is dead. We're, we're lost. We're not going to make it to heaven uh, without a touch of Christ in our life and the work that he did on the cross. And all it takes, all it takes, see, he's done all the work. That's why we put this big cross up outside of our building. It's because Christ came to this earth and paid the price on the cross for us so that we could have new life. And the great thing about this for us is it's not just new life that we look forward to in heaven, though we do. But he gives us new life that you heard Steve testify to today. That wherever we're at in our journey, whatever's going on in our lives, that we don't just know about God, we don't just hear things about God, but that his living presence is available to us. He moves in our life in a real way to give us strength, to give us direction, to give us wisdom, to reveal his way, and to give us that sense of peace that you just heard Tammy talk about when we lift our voices to him. And so here is our question for you today. Have you ever crossed that line of faith? Have you ever stepped out and asked Christ to come into your life? If you do, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you've done that, you know exactly what I'm talking about today. But if you haven't, you're still out there on your own but it doesn't have to be that way. He's available for you. In fact, the word picture that God gives us in the Bible is this. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And anyone who opens the door, I will come in and commune with him. He tells us that if any of us confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, God's looking for a way to have a relationship with you. He's not looking for a way to shut you out. He's looking for a way to welcome you in. 
and to be in relationship with you. But he waits on you to make a decision and ask him into your life. As every head's about every eye closed today for just a second. I don't know what you're going through. You do, and God knows. Maybe things are going great in your life. Maybe things are falling apart all around you. But what we tell you today is things can get better when you have the presence of God moving in your life. And so today, we just want to give you a chance to ask Jesus to come into your life. Nobody's going to embarrass you. We're just going to pray for you. Ask God to move in your life because we believe if we ask him, he'll come into our lives. So this morning, if you need to cross that line of faith and ask Christ into your life, if you need a new direction, and if you need the strength of God, we just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me. God bless you. I see that hand and that hand and that hand and that hand. Others today, you'll raise your hand and say, pray for me this morning. Cross this about the side. Let's see that, those hands on the side. Anyone else today? God bless you. I see that hand. Anyone else this morning? God bless you. Others today. Let's stand together today. I'm going to ask our prayer teams to come down to the front. Uh, I'm going to pray for you here in just a second. But whether you raised your hand at that in this moment or not, in the next few minutes, maybe you, maybe you know Christ, but you're just going through some real trials in your life. In just a moment, we're going to give you a chance to come down and just have somebody pray with you. Whatever your need might be, whatever you might be going through, we believe prayer changes things. And we're going to give you a chance to come and let someone uh, pray with you. But before we do that, uh, quite a few people in this room, you, you've taken up the most important step in life. You've, you've raised your hand and said, I want to ask Christ in my life. So we're going to pray a prayer together today. And I'm going to invite everyone in this room to join with us and just ask you to say this prayer with us this morning. Bow your heads and pray with us. Father, I come to you today and I ask you in Jesus' name to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I receive Jesus as my Lord. I receive Jesus as my Savior. And I ask you to help me to live for him who died for me. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of things are going to happen right now. We're going to, our, our, our music guys are going to lead us in a song and invite you to sing with us. If you have a need in your life or if you raised your hand just a moment ago, I want to invite you, encourage you to come down and let one of our prayer teams just take a couple of minutes with you and, and pray with you. Don't be hesitant about that. We do this all the time. If you're new here, you're just welcome to come down and let someone pray with you. When we're done with that, when, that's, when, when, it, when people have come down the front after we sang a song, Andy will dismiss the rest of us to, to move on out to the entryway so the next crowd can begin to come in. And as you're going out, you're going to find that there's some people in the back that have various T-shirts on that say something like Rocking for Rockford or one of the fundraising events. And as Steve and Tammy, they don't know we're doing this. We haven't told them we're going to do this. Uh, but they have a lot of financial ex ex expenses that are going on 
And if you just feel led to say, you know what, I want to bless them. I want to, I want to give a little bit to help with their financial needs. Just drop it in the bucket of one of those people. Those be standing back there. And we'll make sure it goes uh, to be a blessing to Steve and Tammy. Think that's a good idea? Amen. So right now, as we begin to sing, if you have a need, if you want somebody to pray with you, step out, come down. After that, Andy will dismiss the rest of us to go. We're so thankful you're here. May the grace of God and the strength of God be present in your life every day. God bless you this morning.